What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast for today's Money Vault segment. Brought to you by my co-host, Brian Garita, and myself. We are ready to go in oh, and yeah. have a Money Vault conversation. Dinero. Brian, you ready? Because I know you're excited for that first one, and I'm going to let you hit the first one on the head. So hit him with uh, your favorite topic. Oh, man, guys. All right. If you don't know about this, if, I'm going to teach you a little bit. Well, something new about me if you don't know. Um, well, Brian, gonna- tell them how you're wearing the shirt first. N- Yes, <laughs> yes. Before I even yes, I am wearing a shirt here that says Gotham. All right, it's not Batman. No, but show them logo on the wrist. That's gonna be a surprise. Oh, I can't show them right now. Can okay. they see it? They can see it. Which wrist is it? It's right there. All right, guys, look. See this right here? This is Palantir, and we're gonna talk about Palantir. We're gonna set the bar today as to why you guys need to definitely have this on your radar. And before we even start talking about it, guys, this is my opinion. These are my beliefs. And please, whatever I say here or Anthony, just fact check us. And, you know, do your homework, do your own homework. That's it. Do your own homework. But I love Palantir. Huge, huge, huge fan of Palantir. I love the company. If you guys haven't seen on your radar, it's essentially a data analytics company um, with AI features. It's a fantastic company when it comes to data analysis. The federal government's using it. They I believe they were created back in 2013. Peter Till, Alex Karp, and basically the founders of the company, they were the PayPal mafia. All right, and these guys went on their own way, eventually came back and created what is known today as Palantir. And it is honestly the future of data analytics, uh, data mining. And the company has a huge upside in this space, as we all know. And if you don't know, data is the new gold. Yeah. Data is the new gold. And even if you are an influencer, whatever business you're in, the more data you have, the more power, it's, that is the key to the Ryan, who, whose data do they handle? So they handle right now, well, early in their career, they actually got seed funding from the CIA um, through one of their uh, venture arms. Um, They were working a lot with financial uh, products, uh, catching fraud. And basically their philosophy is that AI and this technology is not meant to replace the worker, um, but to aid them to enhance their job, which is a unique thing. They're not not the business to, to have people lose their job. They believe that humans and technology can coexist as much as the theme is that everyone believes automation, AI is going to replace everyone, humans still play a huge role into 100%, this. 100%. I said all the time, everything needs to be used as a tool. Yes. This is not a replacement. Yes. It's a tool. I love that. Huge. So, so Brian, you know, being, being a Palantir investor yourself. Huge. When did you start investing in Palantir? Why do you believe in Palantir? Mm-hmm. And then, again, when are you going to get me into Palantir? Because I've been asking you for a while. All right, well, look, the, the, the latter, I'm going to get you into it tomorrow. All right, okay. I'm going to bring you into it. I know you, you guys heard it. You guys heard it. But to get back to what really is the reason why I got into Palantir is very simple. Before that company IPO'd, I was watching a video locked in my home because of the pandemic, as everyone else was. And I saw this video of a new IPO coming out. Well, not even IPO because they did direct listing, but a new company that was going to hit the market called Palantir. Really didn't know much about it. The, the media was very hyped up about it being secretive and everything. But there was a video that really drew my attention. It was Alex Karp, which is the CEO. And he was doing an interview at Davos. And if you guys, w- I highly recommend you pull up that video. It was probably, probably one of the, maybe if, no analysis. I really didn't look too much into like the financials of the company um, when I made the decision to jump in it. But basically, he was talking about the future of AI why it's important to invest in the space, why if the United States does not bring its A game and it brings its C game, it will lose to the rest of the world. 
And China, believe it or not, guys, they're, he- they're investing heavily into this space. The United States right now has always been number one when it comes to software and design. But if they lose their place, you don't, do you want to be at the end or do you want to be at the front? And Alex Carr brought some great, great points in that interview. I highly recommend you guys look at it. That was probably one of the investment theses that I used to put my money in. And on top of that, the company's books, their financials, they're super solid. Super solid. Didn't, didn't, didn't China want to use Palantir services and Palantir denied them? Uh, I don't know if they did. I don't know 100% if, if that ever, ever happened. What I know what they've said is that they are not going to use their software for um, any, I guess, organizations or countries that are against the Western, um, you know, the, the Western powers, you know, gotcha. the United States um, and, and England and all these uh, countries. So they're very about, you know, retaining the, the, the power there and using that, that technology because it is a very powerful software. Now, this company could potentially blow up in the coming years. It could be huge. I have, I have huge faith into the company just because how well they're being managed and run. The only thing is, can they break into the commercial space? And that's the only thing that's holding them back. So what do you think? I think they're going to get into it. How do you think they're going to get into it? I think that what they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna make a very intricate web where their technology is going to be basically the, the foundation of what other technology is built upon. Essentially, if you think about like uh, Amazon with its cloud servers, a lot of people use the, the servers from, from so Amazon. How are people going to use Palantir to their advantage? They're going to use it to unlock data that's trapped within their own silos. So think about it like this, you and me in our business. We talk to so many different clients. We speak to so many different people, but we don't really know who these people are. And our team that's also doing analysis on, you know, pricing, seeing now which products are the best to be priced at, which is the best area to invest in. In a lot of these organizations, they have their information siloed, you know, between the marketing department, between the operations, between all these different sectors, but no one's using it to communicate because some information you have might be pertinent to what I need, but I'm never going to know that because it's trapped in your database. Now that we're able to aggregate everything and collect it, now we can communicate. And I'll give you an example of what Palantir software does at a very high level. And guys, again, take a look into it, but think about it like this. You implement Palantir software, your FedEx, all right, perfect, perfect example. You want to do an analysis or a predictive analysis and see, okay, if what happens if a cold front disrupts my logistical supply up north? What is that going to look like? And it'll take into account the price of, of the gas, the cost per employee, the fringe benefits, everything that breaks it down. So it gives you a so very detailed analysis. So basically it creates the problem before the problem occurs so that we have a solution to the problem. Yes. Anthony, beautiful. You nailed it around the head. And that's what they do. And that's what they're known for. And they give you what is scenarios, very poignant to, to enforce what decisions you may have. So you're almost, you're almost dictating the future before the future even, 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 even happened. Basically. Basically, and that's the scary part. A lot of people call this company like the Minority Report, the one with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. You know, when everyone's like, oh, he, before he did the crime, we're going to arrest him. Yep. They basically, people see that. And their software is very powerful. And in the commercial space, they're going to be used extensively. The FAA is so using what, it. So what, let's talk about that. What, what, if, what if they find a way to start using that for criminal act prevention? How would that, how would we even know if that was going to happen? And now you're arresting people before even something happens and you're depending it on data. You know, that, that's, that's like a... It's a little scary. It's, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a cash 22 there because think about it. If you are using the Pounder software and it's connected to these financial servers, all right? And let's say, for example, the FBI or CRA, they're trying to track somebody, but you don't know what, what they're trying to do. The motives. The motives. Because think about it. They go to different places. Doesn't, it might not create a pattern 
in the eyes that you see what's going on, but the AI and the technology can bring it together, for example. So you can see your emotions, maybe what you're texting, what your phone calls. It, it can tap into everything. Exactly. See, based on your conversations, based on your actions, based on your maneuvers, they can say this is high alert. It, high alert. There's something what? weird going on here. Why based on the information we collected from their social media, from their this, from the people they're interacting, the places they're hanging out with, boom, 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 boom. Yes, and, and in that aspect, that is, that is true because now you can create a profile and say, okay, this guy, he's doing some nefarious things. It looks like he might be building, you know, a weapon or he might yeah. be using something and looking at, at his history. So here's a question. Can they charge them for something that he hasn't done yet? No, no, that's not going to happen. Okay. No, that's not going to happen. What, any, what anything Palantir does is Palantir answers the problem of, of going into the path of totalitarianism, yeah. okay? Their software is more democratized where we really need these software to advance the United States. The government is very, when it comes to technology, we're very far behind. And the software that you're seeing right now, AI can easily fall into the trap of totalitarianism where now they're tracking everything. Do you know what you're doing? Now they're watching everything. Panther kind of like breaks that apart and okay. puts, it puts a democracy in it. It's a very unique tool. Um, remember- like and you said, they want to use it for, as a tool for yes. people to use it. They to don't help them. They don't own the data. Remember this too. This is another thing I want to tell people. They do not own your data. So when you're there, what they're using is facilitating the, the underlying process and they communicate with different so people. So you still practically... You, you own your data. They okay. don't know what you're doing with the data. It, it's just the information that's there that's connected with different uh, gotcha. organizations. So they work for, a, let's say they're providing their services to a company. That company is the only one that can see that data. Palantir can't even see their data. Exactly. Uh -huh. and, and let's say, let's think about it like this. You are Pfizer and I am uh, Sanof. We're two pharmaceutical companies and we're trying to come with a race to cure cancer or to cure some other disease. Well, maybe you're, you're advanced in certain areas. So I'm going to give you some of my intellectual property, but I'm going to give you some information about it. Not everything, all some of our research. And then you give me some of yours. So it allows... Um, ebbs and flow. Ebbs and flows. It allows for secure data sharing. So now we can, instead of us hiding our information, not giving anything, we'll give you information that we feel that we can give you that's pertinent and then relay it back to you so we can connect and possibly solve another problem because we could be doing, solving ahead, two different yeah. things yeah. far ahead. So to wrap this topic up and not to dive into it, it's earnings dates coming out November 9th. Um, I think this company is going to do pretty well. Um, I have high expectations for the future of this. If you guys haven't looked into it, definitely take a peek into it. I've been brainwashing Anthony for a while. and uh, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm going to take them over. I'm going to take them. All right. What is your suggested price point that I should throw in there for me? Uh, man, you know what? That's something, man, that really depends on what you feel. Um, Give you me a range for me. It's for me, not anybody else. A, a range for you? For me, personally. I mean, man, if you, if, if you can drop, you know, for you... Whatever you feel comfortable. If you can do five hundred thousand dollars to a thousand, I would tell you to put you know as, as much as you feel comfortable with. Okay. If you can do that, do that. So, putting more is not a bad thing. Putting more is not a bad thing. You do what you feel comfortable, and if it makes sense, I do feel the company, and you guys have and to again do your where research. Where is Palantir sitting right now in the stocks? Uh, right now they're like at twenty six dollars, but that can change at any moment. You when know? do you think they're gonna really like whoop, skyrocket? Once they have a commercial product that is. That is used in the mainstream. What you were talking about. We're talking about. It's Forget it. This is gonna go. Well, you think it'll money. easily hit a hundred? Yeah, it. man. I think it, I think it could break a hundred bucks. Yeah, wow. yeah, for sure. A hundred right now. That's market cap. Yeah, I think well, that'll be two hundred billion around there. Yeah, who knows, man? Wait, look, Am uh, Amazon's what a, tr oh, a trillion dollar company. So are these other companies. Uh, they, they can be there. They'll be a big one. Yeah, I like it. All right. 
moving on to the next topic. TikTok, how TikTok investors are watching members of Congress for stock tips. Very interesting. And basically here is saying that financial content is a growing is a growing part of TikTok. But one of one one group of investors on the social media platform is attracting attention by copying the investment strategies of members of Congress. Money expert Kirsten Merrick joins News Now to explain how the strategy works and whether it is proving to be successful for investors. I am going to play the video because I want you guys to listen to it. I'm going to hold it up to the mic. But, uh, Brian, what, what is your thoughts first before we play that video? I want to know your thoughts. What do you think about that? Man, you know what? Had I known about this, I would have been following all these guys' <laughs> topics, man. I wouldn't even be doing a podcast. I'll be in the uh, beach right now, man. It's, it's so crazy that, and you know what? It's something that you don't even think about. Because uh, a lot of people, what do they do? Most people who are looking at stock pickers, they're looking at like Warren Buffett, yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. No one is looking at politicians. No. But bro, when you see Nancy Pelosi raking in this money and... Like, oh, something's going on there. They, so, someone's eating uh, uh, some cheese there, huh? Yeah. From, yeah. Uh, play that video. Let, let them hear Let's it. play man. that video. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it up to the, to the mic so everybody can hear it. Investment strategy work and how successful is it proving to be? Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and say very quickly that I do not believe this is a sound strategy. But what's happening is they are using several sites that um, are aggregators of when someone on the um, in Congress buys or sells any amount of shares of stock. Okay, so back in 2012 just in 2012, mind you, they um, pushed through this rule that made Congress be more um, uh, transparent about their stock and stock purchases. So as a result now, all of this is public information. So what a lot of these traders are now doing is they're going and looking to see when you know, Congressman Smith buys um, stock ABC and then they are going and buying it as well because they think that the Congressman has some kind of insider information. Yeah, let's talk more about that, because some people are going to jump to that conclusion that members of Congress have information about the market they ordinary citizens don't. We're not making that insinuation, because that would be rather illegal, but explain what are the rules around how lawmakers can invest. So let's hear the, let's hear the rules now. Yeah, so they have to um, they have to disclose within 45 days of their purchase or sale, which quite frankly, seems like a long time. Um, I, I think the, personally, having looked at these laws, it seems a little loose, especially considering the laws that I'm subject to as a, somebody who has a license. Um, it seems like their, their laws, their rules and regs are a little bit less stringent than my own, which is kind of interesting. But they do have to disclose, in the case of this article that's causing all this um, this noise, it's, it's focused on Nancy Pelosi, and, and Nancy Pelosi wasn't even the one who executed the trades. It was her husband who um, who did the, the large trades, and, and so that is getting a lot of um, this one TikToker is pointing the spotlight on Nancy Pelosi regarding this particular situation. Very quickly, any evidence? So, very interesting. Brian, talk to me. Look, man. Again, what she said there, it's probably not sound investment advice. And I wouldn't listen to or watch most of these politicians, but it's definitely something to be aware of. Yeah. Because they do pass these policies and they are sitting on committees and they do have access to pertinent information, which the public That's does not right. know about. So there's, a, there's an advantage there for them. 
it's it there's an advantage but there's laws out there that that prevent it but look how the look how they maneuvered it her husband's the one that executed the trades that's what i'm saying so there's an advantage there's there's always when there's a will there's a way right so there's a little loophole they figured out yeah who knows i mean i don't want to put in you know in nancy pelosi's mouth what, what she told her husband to do but you know I mean, think about it. You put you put two or two together, and look what look at so, that. So, Brian, are you gonna get on TikTok? TikTok, yeah, man. I didn't even know about this till right now. I'm gonna step it up. My TikTok <laughs> game, guys. My TikTok <laughs> game is not that good. I need to get in there. Oof. I need to start watching these uh, TikTok. Uh, was it influencers? Right. I mean, there definitely needs to be you know a watch on this because think about it. It, it this can just be this is this is like a slippery slope. Oh yeah. Very slippery. So I'm all for that. That congressmen should be investing in stocks and all that. And you know, the 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 2012 act that they passed that's very good. But um, you know, when your portfolio is beating the market, it's something that you gotta you know. Yeah. All I buy is yeah. index funds. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, go on TikTok and start following what these Congress people are doing. What do you think, Anthony? I think it's interesting. I think it's just funny to see how like um, what social media has been able to do for people. You know, I just feel like it's uh, it gives people a little bit of that edge where before some of this information would not even come out to the public or some people wouldn't even know that this is going on. Yeah, I mean, all that the things that all that's a like public information, but no, but one you know re- what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying like to the average person who doesn't even know that they don't put they that can out, go there. out there and of go course. get it. Now they can see it. it and that's the thing in, in their favorite way of seeing it is what I mean. Their easiest way of seeing it. And that and that that's an interesting thing too because the one who's interpreting the data or the information, who knows if he has his own agenda as to why he's doing that? Oh yeah, you know. Because think about it, the guy's probably also running a hustle too. Yeah, I'm not trying to defend you know politicians or anybody, but you know if the guy's doing that, he might have his own narrative, his own reason why he's, he's putting that information out there. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, guys, now you know TikTok investors <clears throat> are watching members of Congress. Or stock tips. You could be one of them too. Who knows? There might be somebody in the audience who is one of those TikTok investors. If you are, please drop a a little comment down below if you know something we don't know. All right, moving on to the next topic. This is another very interesting one. But Zillow is no longer buying homes. What does this mean for the house flipping market? This means... This means a lot of things, man. You know what? Zillow should have never been in this business in the first place. They had no reason being in there, especially when you're going into when you're buying residential or you're buying these properties. There's so much risk, so much risk. You need to hire people who, again, at, speaking from my experience of real estate, real estate is very unique because it's so local. It's very local. And when you, what Zillow is trying to do is consolidate that market and really put a strangle on that space. Flipping is very, very speculative in nature because anything can happen, right? Interest rates shoot up. Price of materials go up. Everything changes. Everything changes. So think about it. When all the prices go up, these guys sat on, they bought all these properties. They try to flip them. Now, guess what? On the height of the pandemic, yeah, it was crazy. I was listing homes and getting 20, 30, 50 grand with, with appraisal waived. And I was getting those, and I was getting yeah. those contracts. Waiving appraisal contingency, which is crazy. But now you're seeing that the, that attack that they did, it looked good in the beginning. But now guess what? The end consumer at the end of the day is saying, hey, I don't have that money to buy that house. And if they're trying to rip me off, because they're selling out at a discount right now, you're trying to rip me off, flip the home that you just bought, and then guess what? You're trying to sell it to me at a premium? Well, I'm just going to rent. 
Basically, yeah. It's like a fuck you. Yeah, basically what that's what's going on right now. And the market is hitting back. And I'm not glad to see it happen, but it's good that these companies understand that they can't be doing this type of so stuff. So how about now the uh, the real estate users who in, who pay to use Zillow's um, services? How is that going to affect them? What, the realtors? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think Zillow, what they should have done is instead of putting their money into into that, they should have put their money more into backing up the agents, you know, giving more support, really helping them build their business. And a lot of agents, remember, when you're in Zillow, I've used Zillow, guys. It, it's a good product. It's, it serves its purpose. You want to get good leads. It's a good lead generation tool. Nothing I'm hating against it. But when you're an agent, all right, a lot of people, I see them rely too much on these software, realtor.com, Zillow. You got to build your own brand. Yep. At the end yep. of the day. We talk about that. Yeah. There's guys I see here dropping 10,000, 8,000 a month in, <laughs> Z- in Zillow leads. And then what look, happens? Look, You're not like investing you, your own image. Like you said, it's, it brings leads, but here's the thing. You're not building your brand. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate of building your own brand because if you're not building your brand in today's world, you're not going to have anything. Brand, personal brand is everything moving forward in the era that we live in. The stronger the personal brand, the stronger the connections you're going to make, the stronger hands you're going to shake, the stronger uh, deals you're going to be able to uh, convert. So you need to be able to build a strong personal brand to have a certain look and perception amongst the market. Mm -hmm. Because, again, when we talk about that perceived value that people are going to place on you Mm -hmm. because of your personal brand is now going to be able to convert into, in this example, real estate sales. You know, and if you're not building your, your, if you're not building your personal brand as a real estate agent or as anybody out there, you know, you're going to put yourself in a deep hole, you know, especially where social media is a big thing, the internet, everybody can see your brand everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And you want your brand to be seen anywhere. And if you're dumping anywhere between five to 10, 15, $20,000 a month on a machine that all you're doing is really promoting their brand even more and helping them even more. You're shooting yourself in the foot where that money could be coming back and be being invested into your own personal brand, growing it, pushing it, expanding it, and then position you as the authority in the market because of how much you invested into yourself. 100%. And now think about like this, and I want the viewers, if you think, if you think what I'm about to say is wrong or you think Anthony's wrong, I want to say this right now. Why personal brand is so important. And personal brand trumps any anything. Huge. When you go, and I'm sure if you guys have seen Bravo, Selling Sunset, are you seeing all those shows? I'm sure you guys know the realtors by name. Do you know what company they work for? Honestly, do you know what uh-huh. company they work for? Think about that quick. Yeah. You don't even know it, but you know what their name you is. You know them. You know you they know sell the real estate. And you know the show. And you know the show. But you don't know what's the company that they work for. Yep. So instead of promoting. And you already think that they're big baller. Exactly. And going back to that, very important what Anthony was talking about, building that personal brand. Because at the end of the day, real estate is about personability. If you can connect with the client, they're going to buy and they're going to sell with you. Yep. Very important. In any any industry that involves sales, which every industry involves sales. Everything. You have to be able to be personable. You have to be able to connect with people. Connection and person and, and being personal is the first two th- is the first two things that happen before a sale even begins. If you cannot connect with somebody and be personal, forget the sale. Mm-hmm. Forget it. So you need to build a personal brand that shows who you are, shows what you do, shows what you talk about, your education, your value, authority, your lifestyle, your beliefs, right? 
shows people what you stand for, shows people who you are as a person in the competitive market that you're in so you can separate yourself apart. But if you keep giving Zillow and all these other companies tons and tons of money, and I'm not saying don't put money into certain things to help you, but if you're constantly giving them all your money and you're putting all your eggs in one basket, you're shooting yourself in the freaking foot. Mm -hmm. Shooting yourself in the freaking foot. And I feel bad if any of you that are watching this used to work for Zillow, guys, um, I really feel for you. That is that is terrible because they laid off around two thousand yeah. employees because because of this move. You know, trying to be aggressive, trying to be ahead of the curve. If you stay in your lane, you're trying to consolidate a whole market, real estate, and this. And I'm gonna tell this to, to owners, homeowners, home buyers. You want the volatility. If home ownership becomes a monopoly or becomes controlled by any one organization, forget about that volatility where you can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to list my house for 600 grand, a million dollars, and wait yep. for what the market does. Those imperfections in the market create those opportunities. Someone can laugh at you. You can have your home listed for two years, put it for a million. I've had people in Miami, they're like, I'm going to list my house. Their home was worth 450. I'm going to list it for 600,000. Uh, you know what? I would do it for them, list it for them. Boom. You know what? A year passes by. Now, it's gone. Because everybody wants to be here. Because everybody wants to do it, you know? That's, yeah. the, that's the unique thing about and, real estate. And now look at this, you know, saying here, is Zillow in trouble, right? In August, Zillow borrowed, borrowed $450 million in a bond offering. And on October 18th, Zillow shares fell 6.8% in pre-market trading after the announcement it would stop buying homes. This year, its stock fell about 27%. Yeah, it's, it, it's when you get too greedy... And you start going over because think about it. Zillow was also taking advantage of a lot of agents. Um, they were taking a lot of, they weren't being. Well, let me ask you too. You know, you got, you, for example, you're an agent. Let's say you're an agent, mm -hmm. well, which you are. You're, let's say you're putting in 6K a month for Zillow leads in a certain region. We'll say here in Miami. You're targeting, let's say, Coral Gables, right? Mm -hmm. Now you got another agent who comes in, wants to target the same region, same area. And now he's putting 8K a month. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be favored? The, you're right. And the issue comes down to, because um, I haven't used it. I haven't used the software. I don't know if they've updated recently. But it was like that before when I was using it. And essentially, let's say you would own market share in a zip code. Well, if you had 6,000, you were the top dog. Now that guy, if somebody dropped out, they come in with 8,000. Now that drops your market and share. And you're still paying 6K when you were getting top dog um, leads. And not because somebody's paying 2K more, you're not getting barely any leads. Well, and, and lead gen. So basically you have to pay 10K now because you got to top him or her. If there's if there's available market. If, if not, there's available market. Now what do you do? And this is important for realtors to understand. You need to have your paid lead gen. I mean, Anthony always talk about this, but you need to have organic. Yes. Paid and organic lead gen. Paid and organic. both. Do the need door both. knocking. Do the cold calling. Yep. Do the referral. Do DMing on social media. Social All influence, that shit. All that shit. That all is going to compound, guys. Yes. And then that cost per client, that cost per acquisition actually drops. And ask your clients for leads. Don't be scared to ask your clients for leads. Amen. Get referrals. Those are the best ones. They're the most trustworthy uh, prospects you can get. Is Ask your current clients for leads, especially if you did a great job. Why wouldn't they refer you somebody? Amen. All day. All day. So always, always go back to understanding organic is still going to be a huge lever in your business and pushing forward the, that agenda for you. All right, moving on to the next and last topic. Are teachers overpaid or underpaid? Brian, what are your thoughts? They are extremely underpaid, extremely underpaid. And the pandemic really showed that they are underpaid. All and right. They do not have the easiest job either. 
No, man. Look, think about it. <laughs> a lot of the parents, they really, really didn't understand how much responsibility it was to be a teacher until the pandemic came, which I'm happy. I'm, in that aspect, and a lot of these parents gave tons of gifts to these teachers when they when schools opened up again. Yes, tons of gifts. Yes, think about it. They're with thirty kids, twenty kids, whatever number of kids that they're with, all day. And then you're a parent and you're dealing with your own kids and you want to kill yourself. I love my little <laughs> princess. I love my little girl, but hey, she has her moments too. And I sometimes think, and I'm like, man, these teachers, she's trying to take care of little kids like my little girl times 10 or 15. God damn. Yes. And, they, and sometimes those, those rooms only have one teacher. Yes. <sighs> and, and, and it comes back down to this. Not you know, easy. Why is it in every other industry? Education, I guess, you know, People think it's boring, but you're influencing the future. Why is it that an NBA player and all these guys, I get it, it's entertainment, but why is that profession the highest paid and all this entertainment? The teacher's molding the future. They're molding the kids. Yeah. And they're getting paid, what, 40 grand, 45? How do you survive with inflation yeah. going up? And then you see people, all these, uh, some of these uh, unvalued-driven influencers on social media mm-hmm. making top dollar. Mm-hmm. doing things that don't even serve the community. Mm-hmm. And if anything, they're actually putting a bad message out there. Yeah, getting top dollar. You see a girl twerking on, on uh, what is it, on Instagram, and she's getting paid, what, over 200 grand a year, but a you teacher... See, you see the island boys. Don't even get me started with that, man. <laughs> that, that, look, good for them, because I'll tell you, I'll, uh, good for them, what, regardless of whatever it is, that's why we live in the United States, because you have the ability... Hey, you have the ability you, to do it don't like your situation you can change it oh yeah and that's the beautiful thing about oh, this yeah. country if you decide at any moment i don't like what i'm doing and you have the drive to do it the opportunities will be there but you got to work your ass off you got to work your ass off you got to work your ass off so then that goes to the thing with the teachers you know does it get to the point where if they keep getting underpaid as a teacher you better figure out another way that you can teach and actually make more money we got we gotta stop cutting cutting or, back on that or or what you know, I think te- I think there should be more creative outlets for teachers. We're in a what di- is your suggestion? My suggestion is this. I think that there should be investments for teachers or th- maybe to proliferate their business and think about, you know, how they can make... How, what, number one, there should be law passed because uh, you cannot be cutting education. That's the first thing that always gets cut, education. But for teachers to be creative, what they're teaching to their kids, you can, you can create a course... There should be some, there has to be a, some think tank out there to see how they can really help these teachers create more income on top of them getting paid more. Yeah. I think there's also a bad rap when you. Yeah, because really what, tutoring is the only way they actually make extra money when they're not working. There you go. Right? Yeah, tutoring. So you got to figure out maybe there's a way that we can create some kind of digital course or digital, I don't know, something that they can put together that they can package and sell. Or they could package together and, and have the backing of maybe the school or something help them because they, the school backs them up so they can do it, right? They, so they can do it, exactly. Because here's the thing, also, you know, we're talking about packaging a thing together, a course. Now they're running their own business. They're going to have to learn sales. They're going to have to learn a whole bunch of shit that they don't have time for, you know, yeah. unless they go do their own thing. That's it. So if, if they have the school back them up and figure out some other way that they can come up with another income stream or it's something that the school creates for them to make extra money, be beautiful. Amazing. And, and maybe something that they create, like the teachers create, like, I guess, like a profit sharing business on the side. Yeah. 
or like a course that they can like teach kids and they all work from it together. You know, something like that to be creative. Something, something. Now, mind you, viewers, if you guys are watching this, we're not saying, you know, oh, just take the 45K and then be an entrepreneur on the side. That's not what we're saying. We're saying pay them, pay them what they should get paid. 45, that's too low. Pay them more, whatever that number is. We got to come together. And you know what? If it means we got to take a little bit to, to get them there, we can't be cutting education. That's right. Now, Brian, on the flip side of things, how about those shitty-ass teachers? Look, man, I know, I know there's a lot of people, just like in any organization, you're going to get people that are just tire kickers. Yeah. They're not really too committed So, so what about kids. those? What happens? It's tough, man, because this is like a topic is so controversial. Because if we go down the space of, let's say we're going to be, um, we start paying teachers based on performance, how do you really on track a scorecard track that metric yeah. you know and you can but what was the traditional way of doing it you here in florida or anything you, you test them standardized testing you know we used to I think i used to have the fcat and, and all that yeah. um it's so hard to do that you know it's so hard to 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 figure out what is the right formula because if you think about it, if you change one kid's life you know it, it what's the price of that you know how much can, should a teacher get paid if they influence you know yeah no i get it i get it it, it's like such a it's such a sticky topic. Um, there should be you know cost increases definitely. Um, they now, do you think there's a difference between teachers that are teaching in elementary, middle school, high school, and versus college? Do you think there's a difference there? Um, definitely, there's a difference there because universities they're making big bucks. Yeah, they're getting a lot of subsidies. They're getting a lot of endowments. You know, you're not getting that in a public school. In yeah. a public school, you're, you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that type of money coming in. So it's harder. That's why you see a lot of teachers eventually make the evolution and get into uh, academia or they become professors out of college because there's more money there to be made. Um, if, if you go to a public school route, you're more, you know, it's, it, if you're going to have professional, unfortunately, it's not to make the most money. You're there to impact the most lives. So what do you like most about teachers? What do you not like about teachers? What do I like most about teachers? I think, I think what I like about teachers is they have to have a caring heart and they have to have patience, you know, and they really have to be innovative. You can really tell if a teacher really cares by how they, how they communicate to the kids. You know, if you do the extra mile, you make my, you make my child, you know, feel that they, anything is possible, you know, because yep. you're influencing the future. I've had some of those teachers. Yeah, man. Have you? Yeah, bro, of course. What's one of your stories? One of my stories, man, uh, teacher-wise? Yeah. Um, I could tell you in, in middle school, um, I don't think you were there. No, it wasn't in middle school. It was in elementary school. Mm. Um, I had this one teacher. She was super sweet. Probably everybody's favorite teacher. It was our first, first grade teacher. Uh, but she was just very caring, very loving, very motivating, always very like, let me help you. Let me take you by the hand. Do I need to stay here extra and help you out with some of the stuff that you missed? I remember I was in first or second grade, would review test after with you if you if you messed up. She would even let you allow you to correct it on your own and give you extra credit for it. Like she would just find ways to always help you and make you feel good about yourself and push you forward and always tell you positive things. I'll never forget she would always tell us positive things, which I very, very liked. Um, and it was always ready. It was always ready, always showed up, always had a smile on her face. And uh, yeah, Miss Espinosa. Oh, I love that, man. I love that. More teachers need to be like that. Mine's was um, Mr. Arnaldo. I was in high school. Um, Mr. Arnaldo, Mr. Too, Arnaldo, right. man, he was a great, great influence. Guy had a wealth of knowledge. He was like the uh, the Dos Equis guy. Oh yeah, he's he, another great. teacher. That guy too. was a Dos Equis dude, man. He he lived a life. If he could write a book, I'm telling you, that thing would be best sold. Teaching in, history. 
best sold in New York Times, man. The guy was a, was a legend, influenced me a lot positive, you know, positive on how to be aware of what's going on in the economy, how things really work. The guy was just an animal. I, he's retired now. He's probably, you know, chilling out there. But if you're watching this, you, may, you definitely made an impact. Yeah, Mr. Arnaldo. That's right. Mr. Arnaldo, the legend. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. That's another great one as well. Oh, yeah. So, Brian, what, what, what don't you like seeing from teachers? What, what bothers you from certain things? I'm not saying all to, but I'm saying from the teachers that are doing these things, what bothers you? I think if you're just going there for a paycheck, man. You know, and I get it because teaching becomes a routine and, you know, it does get exhausting and all that. But, um, you know, if you kind of stagnate and you don't invest in, in yourself and your knowledge and developing, I think that's one thing that I don't like. But again, you know, I haven't been in school in a while. Maybe things have changed, um, and I don't have kids yet. But you right now, you're going to walk into that very soon. Or you're well, already into it right now. My little girl's already in school, so. Yeah, she's already in school, man. And I'll tell you something. That, that little girl is a genius. She's growing fast. Growing that's too fast. Too fast. Yeah. And she's cute, guys. Super adorable. It's my little princess. That's it. So, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's um, at the end of the day, nobody's perfect, but... I do feel like, yes, teachers do need to get paid more, but I think that there also needs to be a, a – we also have to just pay attention as parents, figure out what are the schools that are right, who are the teachers that are right for our kids, mm -hmm. um, and do our homework as well because there is a lot of stuff out there too that I, I, I also see, and I, I can say I experience as well, where teachers aren't doing their jobs, you know, correctly. Mm -hmm. You can't you, – and that's the other thing. You can't just be a parent that just lets the society teach your kid. No. You have to be an active parent. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, you know, especially you see this more in college. But if you join a class, you know, this for anybody out there is in school. Um, and I say college because we usually see it. I'm not saying it happens in high schools too and other schools, but just make sure that when you join that class, you're getting the information for what you're trying to, with the information from the teacher on that topic that you're trying to learn. Look, I'll tell you right now, one of the things that bothers me for certain teachers that do this is when they start going the rabbit hole of trying to push their own narrative and ideology down their throat. Mm -hmm. I went there to learn one thing, and it's that topic that I'm supposed to learn. I'm not here to learn your views, your ideology, your narrative. That's great for you, but that's not what I, hear, what I paid for. And that is not what you paid for. So don't push that down my throat. Don't push it down my throat. Don't push and it down I'll tell you guys, because in college, you're going to be old old enough to already make your own choice. You're an adult, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. When you see that, don't be scared to stand up. I did it once. Go to your deans. Hey, I didn't come here to pay for this. I came here to learn. I'm not here to hear somebody's story and ideology. So I'm just saying that because it does happen frequently. It's happened to me. Brian, I'm sure you've, had, you've seen that experience yourself. Mm -hmm. But just make sure that you're aware of that and make sure that as parents you're doing the right homework on schools because, look, at the same time, teachers are great and I, and I think teachers do deserve to get paid more. I do. But also as well, do your homework on the schools and the teachers that are in those schools before you as an adult join or before your parents put your kids in. Preach. Amen. I love that, man. That was great. Well, guys, hope you got some knowledge, some value out of this podcast segment today of the Money Vault. But uh, just to leave it off again, do your homework, do your research, listen, pay attention, ask questions, and don't be scared. Don't be scared to also just try new things. Until uh, next time, guys, on the Sweat It Out podcast, Money Vault segment, with you, anything is possible. 
when you come over here and show us some love. So keep showing us some love. Hit that like button. Boom. Like, subscribe, comment, share, leave a review. Do everything you can because the more love you show to us, the more love we can show back. Peace.